Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Fantasy Flex Podcast right here on the Action Network. Dane Martinez, Samantha Praviti, and we are joined by a new member of our team, Mike Triplett. You've seen him covering Saints football from the last 18 years or so with New Orleans Time Picayune. He's now with New Orleans Dot Football, and so much insights that he will bring to us. We're excited to get his perspective as well. And it's almost serendipitous, guys, because I want wanted to start the show this week with Taysom Hill. If you've been a fan of the Fantasy Flex podcast, you know we've had a love-hate relationship with Taysom Hill all season long. Our producer, David, in the back seems to be the Taysom Hill whisperer, and we've got to start there because my man was accountable for not one, not two, not three, but four touchdowns, a, a great block at the end of the show. I think he recovered a fumble as well. Mr. Do-It-All has been Taysom Hill. Samantha, I was joking with you that I insert him in my lineup as well we know our producer David did what were your reactions right off the bat Samantha when Taysom Hill you know broke for his third touchdown of the day well uh my reaction was to go check if I was facing Taysom Hill in any matchups and unfortunately I was uh it's one of those ones too you just get extra points for like more things too so I ended up getting like a 55 burger dropped on me so I will definitely not be recovering from that there's no Monday night miracle tonight for that one but it was definitely uh impressive for sure and we and we talked about it on convince me Sean Kerner was recommending him as a possible uh Kyle Pitts sort of plug in if, mm-hmm. if, if you were missing pits. So, so great call on his part there. Yeah, absolutely. And Mike, you know, this is perfect time to really bring you in because you're in the New Orleans, you know, covering this beat, shall we say. And Samantha and I have been talking about it. Like, is Taysom Hill a thing or not? Is Taysom Hill a thing only when Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback? Is Taysom Hill a thing only when Alvin Kamara is banged up? Or is Taysom Hill a thing that we can kind of hang our hat on a little bit moving forward? What do you think here, Mike? What what can we expect moving forward? forward from the saints and Taysom hill well i'm heartbroken listening to to the intro there because i i've been like a Taysom hill truther like my previous job at espn i was even trying to influence the projection saying you guys are shortchanging Taysom hill they paid him they signed him to a contract extension late last season uh four-year extension worth 40 million dollars to be a tight end and and to play this role that he's playing there was like bonuses in there. He'd make a hundred million if he became the quarterback, but they're paying him $10 million a year to be an offensive playmaker on this team. And even though I've been screaming that to the rooftops, I had Kyle Pitts in two leagues and did not pick up Taysom Hill as a replacement. Either one. I went with Gerald Everett in, in my most important league. Uh, so I, I'm regretting that because look, here is the problem with Taysom Hill is it's, 
too sporadic. So right. when Kyle Pitts comes back, I'm putting Kyle Pitts back in my starting lineup. But I think once you get past what the top five, how many guys do we trust at tight end? Just five of them. Then Taysom Hill is a lottery ticket. That's not going to go away from this team. Now he's not going to get volume. I'm pretty surprised he only has one target in the passing game this year. Even though they legitimately moved him to tight end, he spent the whole offseason in the meeting room, the practice field as a tight end. But he is absolutely going to continue to get carries and be a part of the third and short package, whether Andy Dalton's the quarterback or whether Jameis Winston's the quarterback, because he does it very well. He's averaging six yards a carry for his career, never less than 5.3 yards a carry in any season. That package works. And they will keep using it until a team, uh, till defense proves they can stop it. And they need it. They're a two and three team. That was a gotta have it win. Um, they've been trying to establish something on offense. They finally found their run game over the last two weeks. He's going to continue to be a big part of it. So it might look, he only had 10 touches yesterday. And in that breakout game through a 55 burger with 10 touches, there's going to be games where he only has four touches, five touches, but I like him to score touchdowns more than anyone outside of the maybe top four or five tight ends. So, so probably more of a bi-week fill-in than an every week guy, but he's, he's got to be approaching that top 10 because of the upside alone. No, I like what you say there, Mike, also, right? Because, and I've said this a bunch of times, me and Samantha have talked about it, at tight end, once you get past kind of the elite or the second tier, I believe a lot of them are touchdown dependent. And when are they bringing in Taysom Hill? They're doing it in the red zone and goal line packages and have plays to get him the ball to score touchdowns. I just thought that it was a Sean Payton thing, the reason he got 40 some odd million and that he was almost like an albatross financially around the Saints at this point. But it looks like Dennis Allen is finding ways to use him as well. Let's dig in to some of the other stories that we have seen after week five. And Samantha, I will start with you because even on Green Dot Daily, going into the games last week, we talked about the rookie running back out of Washington that is such a feel good story that he is not only on the field, but could be the A side of the running back committee in Washington. Absolutely. I mean, it is crazy to think about we're talking about him as a potential number one back because he was shot six weeks ago, not even six weeks ago, but he ended up having nine carries for 22 yards. Gibson only saw three carries. He ended up with the better day because he's a little bit more involved in the passing game. But I was already hitting the panic button on Gibson going into the week. I, I mean, he was RB 21 through four weeks, but that really doesn't tell the story because his production has just been on the decline since week one. This is all before Brian Robinson return so he was already declining and then we know what it was like going into the season I mean it was really trending in the wrong direction for him yeah. he's returning punts I mean I thought he was gonna get demoted to like towel boy at some point but he literally I mean he just clearly lost trust with Ron Rivera and the coaching staff with the fumbles and ball security issues he had a NFL high six fumbles last year so um it definitely felt like it was trending that way and then of course Brian Robinson gets shot things get shaken up but now he's back and I think that that could definitely eat into a lot of Antonio Gibson's production, and he could be a productive running back, say, like as an RB3. What about you, Mike? I know you have some thoughts that we're going to get to on other rookie running backs in this class, but what were your thoughts on Brian Robinson? I mean, Antonio Gibson was on special teams. Is this now kind of going to go in that way and direction for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are desperate to pick up a running back, and I think there's touches are going to be there, and and that's the role you want, I guess, is the first and second down guy. But right. I, I assume we're probably going to talk about Diami Brown later too. I, I want nothing to do with anything in this Washington offense. They're 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 not playing well, and they're sharing the workload at running back between three guys. We didn't mention JT JD McKissick, who's obviously yeah. the the pass catcher. And when when I talk to the the reporters there in Washington, and see what they're saying. They don't want to just get rid of Gibson. They want to find a role you know, same thing we we're talking about Taysom Hill where they can use his explosion and get him in here and there I just don't know how any of them can can be consistent enough to trust but but certainly you know uh especially now that the bye weeks and the injuries are creeping up uh if Brian Robinson is still there you, you'll take anything you can get but I mean it feels almost like a Daryl Henderson type where when are you ever going to really trust him no, I think that definitely makes sense. And you will learn that I am always about team production as well. I tell Samantha all the time, I'd rather have a sliver of a watermelon than half of a grape. And right now the commander's <laughs> offense looks more grape than watermelon if you get my drift. Mike, I also want to ask you, um, because we've had breaking news in the NFC South 
this morning as well, where Carolina Panthers head coach Matt Rule has been terminated, let go after I believe like 11 and 27 over three seasons. The man is going to get $40 million to stay home, which is great work if you can get it, in my opinion. Mm. But having covered this division for so long, like what were your thoughts on Carolina? Was it working or not working? Is it Matt Rule's fault? Was it Baker's fault? You know, we see PJ Walker now in, maybe Sam Darnold on the horizon. And my question is about other skill position players in Carolina. Christian McCaffrey, a first round pick. People believe DJ Moore is an ascending young wide receiver. Now we have potentially a new quarterback on the horizon, inconsistency there, and potentially a new coach, right? A new interim coach who may view how to run the offense differently. Do you have any insights about the Carolina firing and maybe what we could expect the Panthers offense to look like moving forward? Well, that was the problem. Obviously Uh, the one team they beat this season was the saints. I was there two weeks ago and two years in a row. Now their defense hasn't been that bad. It was almost a little surprising. They also fired their defensive coordinator, but he had such, such close ties to Matt rule, but Steve Wilkes now takes over as a defensive uh, um, coordinator that he's bringing along with him. I I think they're going to lean a lot, obviously on that defense and Christian McCaffrey, the other news obviously being that, that Baker Mayfield is going to miss time with his injury. But anything has to help. I, I have DJ Moore in a couple of leagues. I thought maybe Baker Mayfield was going to help him. It's obviously gone in the other direction for him. PJ Walker, believe it or not, actually targeted uh, um, Robbie Anderson more than DJ Moore, even though DJ Moore had right. some good numbers with him. So I don't see a lot of reason to think that this can help spark that offense, but, but nothing can hurt at this point. Uh, and, and who would have thought we'd be uh, kind of hoping Sam Darnold would be back in that offense to, to spark it. But it was, it, it, the news itself was not that surprising. Obviously we've been monitoring that a little bit because there were even reports in the offseason that they might have their eyes on Sean Payton. I, I think that'll be hard to pull off. Uh, the saints are going to have to trade him. I don't know if they'll do it to a division rival, but I know they would love for Carolina to express interest and in try to drive the price tag up on Sean Payton. Yeah, I personally think he'll be a replacement for a Mr. McCarthy down the road, but that's a different topic for a different day. Samantha, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. We know CMC, if he's active, which is another question, you're starting him, right? But what about a guy like DJ Moore? Mike made the point, PJ Walker, Temple grad, threw a lot to Robbie Anderson. Temple grad, potentially Sam Darnold on the horizon, right? And he had experience with Robbie Anderson with the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. What do we think about guys like a DJ Moore? Are you downgrading him? Are you sitting DJ Moore for other wide receivers? Like, how do you expect the impact to be here for these Carolina skill players? Sure. I mean, to Mike's point, it can't really get worse. It's painful to watch this team, but thankfully I watch red zone and I never see them. So it's, (laughs) it's almost a blessing in disguise, but uh, I actually put DJ Moore in my sit columns and for my, the start sit piece that I do. I I mean, he wasn't terrible or anything. He had nine and a half PPR fantasy points, but it's not great. I think that he's like a fringe wide receiver three. And like I said, I don't, I don't think it changes too, too much. I, I, I think PJ Walker could could be an upgrade from Baker Mayfield at this point, but it's it's really not like a, probably not a palpable upgrade. It's not like we're getting you know I don't know some some a lot better. So uh, certainly we'll probably stay in that same range of like the RB the the wide receiver three range. Fair enough. Someone much better may come next year by reading your whiteboard over there. Tank for CJ Stroud. Yeah, I really hope he like... likes Carolina barbecue. Yeah, I saw you put that on Twitter. And right now they will be a top, you know, one, two or three pick. So we shall see. I actually think that something to consider is a boost up for Robbie Anderson because all of the quarterbacks for Carolina, either now PJ Walker or Sammy D on the horizon do have experience with Robbie Anderson. So it could be a boon for him. That's something to pay attention to. Samantha, another thing we always do here on Fantasy Flex here on the Action Network, Dane Martinez, Samantha Praviti, and Mike Triplett joining the show now and moving forward. We're overjoyed to have him. We do something, Samantha, titled patience or panic, right? We've already talked a little bit about 
about Antonio Gibson in Washington. I want to ask you about the Jets wide receivers. This Jets team that is now undefeated under Zach Wilson, right? But one and two with Joe Flacco. And we've had this conversation, Samantha, right? Like when they move from Flacco to Wilson, could that be up or down on guys like Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore and others? So now that we've seen Zach Wilson in for two games. What do you think about the Jets wide receivers? Are you uh, panicking on any of them or experiencing patience? Yeah, I guess it's a little bit of a panic right now. It's legit shocking how bad the receivers could be from a fantasy perspective, given the Jets dropped 40 points on the Dolphins, though I know a lot of that was done on the ground and Sauce Gardner looked phenomenal. But Elijah Moore is not startable. Wilson's a dart throw at this point. And same with Corey Davis. I know he's kind of been the better one of late, but it's not like you're excited to start that guy. And then our guy, Tyler Conklin, that we've been talking yeah. about as a, as a streamer, zero, <laughs> absolute goose egg. So, I mean, I it makes me sad that Zach Wilson has rendered them unusable for fantasy. We knew that they would take some kind of downgrade because the amount that Joe Flacco was throwing was just not what we were going to see from Zach Wilson. I did not think that they would be unusable. I think that if I had to pick one, it's, it's Garrett Wilson, just because I love the talent there. Um, I thought he was going to be the first receiver off the board. He definitely has that capability. So if anyone can overcome poor quarterback play, I think it's him. But um, even then, he's like a wide receiver four at best. Bold prediction here. The Jets are not going to be running out the clock with a uh, 23-point lead on any more opponents for the rest of the season. So they they will continue to at least use their receivers more than they did. But I'm definitely... That is true. Yeah, I, I did not expect that game script. Like I was talking about like Michael Carter being a bad play in this game, just thinking that they weren't going to run that much. And then, yeah, so weird game. Yeah. No, I'm I, definitely I with Samantha, though, that, that Garrett Wilson is 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 the one I, I'd want to invest in going forward. Unfortunately, I thought that was a team that was going to tank for Stroud and maybe have a different quarterback to pair with Garrett Wilson and Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, but the Jets won't stop winning. So they're, they're, I don't know what kind of quarterback they're going to have next year. But yeah, Garrett, Garrett Wilson's the one that I have the most, most faith in as well. Fair enough. The Jets in second place in that division above New England and with a head-to-head victory above Miami. Um, you know, and the other thing you mentioned there I think is really important I always like to say we don't just give you a fish we teach you how to fish and Mike mentioned something there in terms of game script game flow when you're looking at the waiver wire right and sometimes you see somebody you know completely have a great game you you may not expect that team to be up big and thus running out the clock or down big and chasing dinks and dunks in garbage time in their next matchup. So always look at what just happened. And if you think that kind of game script is something to be expected moving forward, Samantha, I know we've talked about that a few times when targeting folks on the waiver wire, but one of the people we're all targeting, likely, It's Kenneth Walker because Rashad Penny got injured as he always seems to. And I know, Mike, you had an interesting nugget on Walker and what we expect his role to be moving forward and just what the Seahawks think about him having exhausted a high draft pick on him. Yeah, another guy that I was just scouting in person yesterday in the Superdome uh, uh, and he broke that. That big run against the Saints, which was obviously a breakdown in their defense, but it, it was a reminder of how talented Walker can be when he was really pretty non-existent at the beginning of this season. So I was I was talking to to the Seahawks uh, reporters that I know after the game. You know, are they going to trust him enough? Because it sure looks like a team where he gets the whole workload, and uh, they said they they think he will. Now, obviously, DJ Dallas is there; he will remain a third down back, um, maybe a pass protection thing because he's the veteran that they trust. But they think. Ken Walker is going to get a ton of touches and they actually liked how he was coming along as a, as a pass catcher in the preseason. Pete Carroll commented on that, even though that wasn't a big part of what he did in college. So uh, in, in a season where there have not been a lot of, you know, like last year, Elijah Mitchell, like put your right. entire fab budget on one guy. I feel like Ken Walker might be that guy if he's available in your league. Now it might not work out. Um, you know, if he doesn't pan out, but this is a guy who's going to get every opportunity to be like an every down running back. And those aren't coming along much in this season. No, absolutely. The term workhorse is few and far between these days. Also remember Kenneth Walker, I believe was dealing with like a hernia or something early in preseason. And that was kind of stunting his growth. And I also believe I've said this year after year after year, especially when it comes to rookie running backs, 
as the season goes on, they tend to get more and more touches. They tend to get more and more trust from the coaching staff. And part of it is because they understand pass protection better as they are moving forward throughout the season. Samantha, we've talked about a lot of rookie running backs, right? We mentioned Robinson. I mean, Brees Hall certainly showed up and showed out yesterday as well. We talk about Kenneth Walker. We've talked a lot, Samantha, about a guy like Damian Pierce in Houston as well. Would you also expect to start to see the balance of power shift in some of these backfields where there are rookie running backs? We did snap counts, I remember, with Pierce versus Burkhead, with Michael Carter versus Brees Hall, right? And this would be another situation. For me, a rule of thumb is as you go on into the season and by the time you reach your fantasy playoffs, it's more likely to depend on the young stud. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we saw in week one, there were a lot of overreactions to Damian Pierce not having a great game and the same with Brees Hall. And I was like, guys, it's their first NFL game. We need to like pump the brakes. They're going to be okay. And then of course, like everything changes the next week. Uh, I think like one of those cases, like for instance, like Rashad White is an interesting one because during uh, the preseason, people were talking about how he was having trouble with pass protection and how he was not going to get on the field because Brady's not going to deal with that. And he's actually been seeing a lot more work recently, which has been interesting. And I think that that's good because I, I, it's just unsustainable the amount of work that they've been giving Leonard Fournette. He can't carry the load forever. And he is a little bit on the older side. So I think it's, it's interesting to see him get incorporated a little bit more. So he's definitely someone you can target as well on the waiver wire. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and remember also same thing with Tampa in terms of the game script they've had in the last two weeks may be different than what we expect from a normal dynamic Tom Brady Tampa led offense. But to be sure, that is another rookie name out there. When we look at some of the other injuries that happened this week. Clearly the Rashad Penny injury is big. Mike, I want to ask you about Teddy Bridgewater and specifically the Miami Dolphins and how they are handling some of this. I'm a Jets fan. So I was watching Red Zone, but I was also watching this game. And it was interesting that they called it a head and an elbow injury. And then there was kind of a report out that he was just ruled out, but they didn't like necessarily specify if he was ruled out because of the head or the elbow or just kind of protocols that were put upon them from the NFLPA. So I want to ask you about the Bridgewater injury, but also as it relates to the stories that we're seeing about, you know, concussion protocols and how we're treating these. What did you think about the Teddy Bridgewater injury, what it could mean for guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, who have been helping fantasy managers for sure, and kind of the icky feeling that people have about the way some of this was handled. Yeah. Uh, two quarterbacks in Miami and you'd wonder, well, maybe two will come back soon and, and it won't be an issue, but that could be weeks. That could be months uh, because, you know, obviously if any team is going to adhere to that protocol more strictly than anyone, it's the Miami dolphins right now. And uh, Tyreek Hill's dealing with an injury of his own right now. So uh, that offense that uh, what three weeks ago, we were more excited about than almost any offense yeah. in the NFL is it, it almost feels like a stay away with everyone on their team right now uh, until they get either two or 10, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is not going to light things up, but he's a very right. trustworthy quarterback. If he had played that whole game, I think he knows how to get the ball to uh, to those receivers. He was the Saints quarterback for five games of the year. Michael Thomas set the NFL record with 149 catches. He knew how to get the ball to Michael Thomas. Yeah. I would trust him. But if it's not Tua or Teddy, then you can't feel real great uh, about your investment in, in, uh, in Waddle or uh, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, absolutely. Can't guard Mike. You know, Teddy Bridgewater definitely knew how to throw the quick slant. I'll say that to be sure. Samantha, I want to ask you about Miami, right? We've had this conversation when it went from Tua to Teddy. And I know another person we have talked about on this roster is a running back I'm interested in, and that's Raheem Mostert. It looks like the balance of touches, shall we say, has really shifted to Raheem Mostert, who is also known as a speed guy, right? Next-gen stats. He goes 22 miles an hour, and that seems to fit with this offense when I agree with the idea that maybe Teddy or whoever else comes in can't threaten the ball downfield as much for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Could this be an opportunity for guys like Mostert or even Gasicki? What do you think about the Dolphins offense here moving forward? Sure. I do think it could be an opportunity for Mostert. I have 
always suspected that he would take over this backfield. Now, there have been weeks that I've felt shaky on that, of course, because Chase Edmonds had three touchdowns in two weeks. Yeah. But uh, it seems to be shifting, like you said. I mean, Chase Edmonds had one carry, I think, the entire game. So it's uh, it, that's brutal if you started him. I actually did start Raheem Moser, thanks to Chris Raybon's nice. advice. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, feeling pretty good about that. And hopefully we have sort of like a fringe RB2 uh, there. I don't know, Edmonds, you probably can't trust him at this point. And Gasicki, I just like the targets just aren't there to make him super viable. So he falls into that category, like you said, of the touchdown dependent sort of tight end. So I'm not rushing to go get that guy, but I could see to your point, him getting a little bit more work. Also, if Tyreek Hill ends up having to miss any time because he did get stepped on in that game and came away from yep. that game with a walking boot on. So um, that could definitely be worth considering if, if he ends up missing time. All right, fair enough. I had Raheem Mostert on my bench this week. <laughs> However, I will be inserting him for an injured running back, and that was Damian Harris of the New England Patriots who left that game and did not return. Samantha, I know there was a bunch of other injuries out there, Chris Olave, uh, T. Higgins, and others. What do you think are some of the most important injuries uh, from week five that we really have to keep on our radar for this week? Well, T. Higgins is big. I mean, he's day-to-day -day right now, so his status for this week is up in the air. I hate that they activated him, and this is just the fantasy player inside of me. I get why coaches do that, and I get why teams do this, but, like, it's very frustrating as a fantasy yeah. manager to be like, okay, this guy's questionable, but he's going to play. So of course you're putting him out there. Cause he's like yeah. a borderline wide receiver one. And then of course he does nothing and it's a decoy. And then actually mm -hmm. is rolled out from the game because he has an ankle injury. So it's, it's all frustrating. Um, so I think that that's really probably the biggest one I would say of them to monitor. I know Chris Olave had a concussion and I know with like the teams being more uh, sort of cautious, I guess, with things like those could, those could take longer for people to come back from like Isaiah McKenzie. I was surprised that he didn't end up playing this game. So um, yeah, just like, I would say those two are probably the biggest ones I'm keeping an eye on. Samantha, you know this. I do this all the time, right? I, I make uh, same game parlays as hedges for my fantasy team, right? And so there was one league where I was done up and only facing T Higgins left. So what did I do? I made a parlay for Sunday night football. The only legs of that parlay that did not hit were the T Higgins over and the T Higgins anytime touchdown. Had I known, I would have done some things differently as well. Mike, Zach Taylor um, hates your fantasy team. I know, I know. Just like, <laughs> let me know that the guy's gonna be on a pitch count, you know? And then I'd feel comfortable with my matchup. Mike though, um, Samantha mentioned Chris Olave, yeah. uh, the young rookie for the Saints. And I know you're very close to the Saints. Talk to me if you've heard anything on Olave. And I also thought it was wild that he got concussed on what they then call a touchdown. Yeah. I thought I thought he like, you know, didn't maintain possession through the grab. Then we just come back and all of a sudden, you know, Lutz is kicking an extra point. So <laughs> the man scored a touchdown and got concussed on the same play. Yeah. Do you have any extra information on Olave? Yeah, nothing yet. I, I mean, I know we can't uh, d determine how significant a concussion is based on just yeah. seeing seeing it in person. But I mean, obviously, he hit the ground very hard, and and, and it was a scary moment, and and immediately left the game. There's no question he was going to leave the game. So I think his status is going to be in doubt this week. There's a possibility that Michael Thomas comes back this week. There's been some optimism there from his toe injury. Jarvis Landry was questionable and did practice partially last week. So. If you end up with only one of those three, whichever one it is, then obviously that one will be a good fantasy play. But when we fast forward a few weeks to all of them being healthy, Chris Olave has quickly, I didn't think it, I didn't think it would happen this soon to the point you were making about rookie running backs, but I trust him in, in almost any starting fantasy lineup, even when Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are there because they are throwing to him, not just if Jameis Winston comes back, obviously the deep threat is great. They're throwing in him any and all situations they're trusting him in big moments and that catch to your point uh even as he's hitting the turf what an incredible effort he makes to hold on to that contested catch he's just been doing that every week so he's a guy that when he does come back uh you trust him every week even when the, the saints offense is fully intact 
Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over under. For example, rushing yards at a football number or points in basketball, then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone. Join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's turn our attention now, like my inner Bill Belichick. We are on to week six. Samantha, we are on to the waiver wire. Let's start at the quarterback position. Now, everyone has different formats in their league. Maybe you need two quarterbacks. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's four points, touchdown versus six, and all of that. But, you know, we've had Matthew Stafford, where that Rams offense looks like, unless it's Higby or Cup, they don't know what they're doing. And we also have buys starting next week, Samantha, you know, we've extolled the virtues of a guy like Jared Goff and that offense, which until yesterday was one of the higher scoring teams in the NFL. The lions will be on a buy among others. So there will be people looking for quarterbacks on the waiver wire. Who are some of those that are on your radar? I just want to say that in regards to the Rams, I literally yeah. slacked someone and said, hey, Matthew Stafford's going to take five plus sacks in this game. And it was Brandon Anderson, who's, who's from the Action Network. And he was yeah. like, damn, that's a lot. And of course, he takes five sacks in that game. That offensive line is absolutely dreadful. So, um, yeah, I hate the Rams right now. They're dead to me. But in terms of potential maybe Matthew Stafford replacements if you need someone because he was a top 12 quarterback uh, drafted. Uh, so I think like Geno Smith comes to mind as the, as the top guy. He is 35% roster. He made it into my look ahead waiver wire column on Friday. He almost made it into my start sit, but I, I just chickened out last minute because I thought that the Saints were going to at least hold them a little bit more in check. Um, obviously high scoring game, really fun for fantasy. He ended up with three touchdowns, each from 35 plus yards, which I thought was super interesting. They were really like crazy touchdowns. I was like, I can't believe this guy is threading the needle like that so from the eye test alone I mean he looks really impressive he's definitely a good streaming option week six and beyond they face the Cardinals whose defense entered last week bottom five and past DVOA so I think that he could definitely be a viable streamer Um, if you're looking elsewhere I mean Carson Wentz did have a nice day this guy is like Ricky Bobby like first or last (laughs) he is he was the QB three and QB five in weeks one and two against in soft matchups, then he faces two difficult defenses, QB 30 and QB 27. And he's back at it. Uh, I, I believe he's QB five right now heading into Monday night. So, um, you know, hopefully you get the first side of that, not the last, but um, right. yeah, he, he, that's just to be expected with a Carson Wentz team. Like it's ugly. You, you don't want to watch the game. You just want to look at the results at the end. Yeah, fair enough. Mike, let me ask you about two quarterbacks specifically. Samantha mentioned Geno Smith and you were there with Seattle there, you know, yesterday. And like, do we believe in Geno Smith? I mean, the throw to Lockett was absolutely a dime for the touchdown. And and you did have some nuggets on Seattle vis-a-vis Kenneth Walker. And I wonder, you know, Pete Carroll wants to run the ball, but Seattle is putting up points and Geno 
Like, take this again from a Jets fan. I saw Geno Smith and never thought he would be a legitimate starting quarterback in this league. Is it time for us to, like, write letters of apology and believe in Geno Smith? It's hard not to. I mean, the, the big number coming into that game was that he completed 77% of his passes right. and he was like setting some sort of NFL record through four weeks. You would expect that from somebody who's Dinkin and Duncan. He was letting it fly. And Samantha's exactly right. I mean, if you if you just find like the tweets of the the touchdowns, they were gorgeous throws deep down the field. Um, his best throw might have been a deep pass to Noah Fant throwing it across his body. That wasn't even one of the touchdowns. And obviously he's got deep playmakers and DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett. And, and we talked about game script earlier. Uh, the other thing that definitely lived up to its reputation yesterday was the Seahawks defense uh, being so porous. So they now don't have Rashad Penny anymore and they have maybe the 32nd best defense, the NFL, he's going to be letting it fly all season. He's absolutely the guy I would be looking to. I'm seeing the list of available quarterbacks. He, He stands out way above all of them for me. No, that's interesting. And thinking about a bad defense, because that quarterback will then be in shootout or garbage time situations. I'm reminded of a year where Blake Bortles was like a top five fantasy <laughs> quarterback for Jackson. That's a good comp for Geno Smith. It's true. It kind of is, if you want to know the truth. I have one other quarterback I do want to ask you about. Um, Mike, because it's in that division, the NFC South as well. Samantha has brought up the name Marcus Mariota a few times in this kind of spot. And I wonder about Atlanta. I wonder if they're overperforming. I wonder if they're going to, you know, turn back into a pumpkin at midnight. And I wonder if we fast forward into November, December, are we going to see Desmond Ritter? Do you have any thoughts on what Arthur Smith and the Falcons are thinking about their quarterback situation? Yeah, I, I wouldn't invest in him um, okay. as more than a bi-week replacement for that reason because Ritter looms. But uh, the team has been way more competitive, I think, than anyone expected, which is weird because we haven't seen Kyle Pitts do anything yet. We haven't seen Drake London live up to the, the potential he showed early in the season. They didn't even have Cordero Patterson. So I don't know where this offense is coming from. Mariota's a running quarterback, and he's not really putting up big points. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's he, with his ability to get the, you know, five points rushing the ball and even more right. if he scores. And if those guys come back healthy, I mean, I, I like him. I, I see his name next to, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett. I take him over those guys, <laughs> you know, I mean, be, because it's all relative. score in different ways, the, the team has been way more competitive than I, than I think anyone expected. Now, fair enough. Samantha, let's look at the running back position, okay? We already talked about Kenneth Walker. I think for many people, that's the number one priority ad or blow the fab budget. What other running backs are on your radar this week, either because of injury or escalating performance like we're talking about today? Sure. It's not a great waiver wire week after Kenneth Walker. So like I said, if you have fab, you blow it all on that guy. But, uh, you know, Benjamin comes to mind. He was definitely the last man standing in that backfield during the Cardinals loss to the Eagles. I mean, James Conner had a rib injury. Daryl Williams ended up with a knee injury. So he had his best game of the season, ended up with the touchdown. He's the RB 22 heading into Monday night. Could definitely see increased workload if either of those guys, I mean, especially Conner, miss any time. Uh, they have a sweet matchup on deck. We just talked about that Seahawks forest mm, yeah. uh, defense mm. there has allowed the fourth most fantasy points to running backs this year. So, I mean, if Connor, for whatever reason, can't go, Benjamin would immediately be in that RB2, RB3 conversation. So he's probably up there. Um, We talked about this Broncos backfield for sure with Javante Williams out for the season. Um, I mean, it was Boone and Melvin Gordon who shared the backfield on Thursday night, which I I wish I could just have like a memory enema of that whole game because it was so bad. Sometimes a game can be so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. But um, obviously Murray was inactive on the short week, just coming back, just coming back from London and and everything. But I think that the Broncos insiders think it's going to be Gordon and Murray, not Boone, splitting carries moving forward. So Latavius Murray is still out there in over 80 percent of leagues. So I would I would definitely think about picking him, picking him up as well. Um, They're facing three pretty below average defenses coming up the chargers jets and jaguars so those would kind of be like my top two guys we've got the colts guys um joshua kelly was also involved but they're they're kind of more like situational type guys i think 
Yeah, for sure. I'm a little bit worried about a guy like Josh Kelly. I did see him get a lot of work yesterday, but remember the Chargers have also been going to Sony Michelle, and it's not like Austin Eckler isn't, you know, a top five, top 10 uh, running back either. Remember, you exercise patience with him, Samantha, and it seems to have been going well for you. And don't worry about Amazon Prime and Thursday night because we'll have the amazing product that is Commanders versus Bears this Thursday. <laughs> so you certainly want to keep yourself locked in for that um what about you mike anybody at the running back position i know we're all on kenneth walker yeah. anybody else that kind of got on your radar or you can see as a smart stash or someone to uh use a waiver yeah. on well first of all i'm totally cheating but i just somewhere in this uh podcast we have to mention Ramondi stevenson who i think is probably only available yeah. in about 10 percent of leagues but the quotes if you go back and see what bill belichick said about it, i don't think i've ever heard bill belichick gush about anyone he said love him Love him. So glad we have him on our team. He played like every snap after Damian Harris got hurt. So if, if for some reason you're in one of those super shallow leagues where you want to, you want to put the budget on someone, if, if he becomes the one man show in New England, what an opportunity there, but Eno Benjamin, I would probably only like if I needed a one week fill in and James Connors definitely hurt uh, because they have so many running backs there, but most of them are hurt. They have the, the rookie who will probably get called up this week in, in Keontae Ingram, but, but Eno Benjamin has been doing it running and pass catching and they're playing the Seahawks, but I would only like him as a one-week fill-in. I wouldn't invest in him thinking he's going to take over that backfield. And you mentioned the idea of stashing. Um, Samantha mentioned Rashad White earlier. I think that's a smart stash, especially if Leonard Fournette got hurt with all the pounding he's taken. Uh, James Cook, we talked about rookie running backs who come on later in the season. He only had yes. four carries in a blowout win yesterday, but they were four impressive carry so maybe something finally happens for him in buffalo as the season goes on and that's that watermelon offense you were talking about absolutely <laughs> the exact opposite jalen warren if you see how many touches he got for pittsburgh you might think oh are they are they benching Najee harris and going to jalen warren that was mostly because they were getting blown out in that game it was late in the game but he is very clearly the number two behind a guy who's struggling i, I don't know that you want to invest anything in the pittsburgh rushing offense but he's just another guy if you're playing around with with and, and you know with with the, your back end roster spots he's a guy who's very clearly in line for a big role if anything were to happen to Najee Harris. Hey, I'm feeling really good about all my Najee Harris unders that I took versus <laughs> season long props. Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, not like I was not so rooting for any any for him to do poorly or anything. It was just more like I thought that the production was unsustainable because the workload was unsustainable. So yeah, I'm feeling good about that. Yeah, I'm looking to divest instead of invest in the Pittsburgh offense and shares of Najee certainly fit that one. The one thing I say about Eno Benjamin, who you both brought up, I expect the Cardinals offense to look a lot different when DeAndre Hopkins comes back in about a week or two. I think that's going to be a boon for Kyler Murray, that and also not having eSport tournaments happen on any given week. Apparently, Kyler Murray is something like 2-27 and 27 when League of Legends has a big tournament because, you know, he needs to study a little bit more. But D-Hop on the horizon, <laughs> keep an eye out on what that does for the Cardinals offense. Samantha, we're uh, talking about wide receivers as well. Who are the wide receivers who either performed well are not on rosters or you expect to be growing in potential as we move along here with the buys and the middle of the season sure a lot of these guys are more speculated the, the one guy that i think stands out is jacoby myers he was dropped by a number of people because uh he had a two-week injury hiatus but he is 48 percent rostered currently on yahoo and he shined in his return with Bailey Zappi. Uh, I was actually pretty surprised. Caught seven of eight targets for 111 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver six heading into Monday night. This was his first touchdown of the season. First 100 yard receiving yard game since week 15 in 2020 against Miami. Though he was like looking pretty good in the first two games of the year. So I love the target share. I love the consistency, especially in PPR formats. So I think he'll be a solid start in week six against Cleveland's defense, which is looking pretty exploitable. Um, other guys that I like Darius Slayton. I mean, he is out there in almost every single league, but <laughs> you here's this, this is the grape. Okay. I, it's not the watermelon, but, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the, the giants don't have anyone healthy on this team. I mean, Sterling Shepard's out for the season. Kenny Galladay dealing with a knee yeah. injury slash He's just being disinterested. Um, Kadarius Tony was supposed to return this week. Uh, he was like limited in practice and then he had a setback with the hamstring injury. 
Wandale Robinson hasn't played since week one due to a knee injury. So like Darius Slayton is widely available. He's he's definitely got a nice schedule coming up against the Ravens, Jags, and Seahawks too. So those are two guys that I like. Some other guys like Alec Pierce looked pretty good on Thursday night. I mean, I was like, why is the best receiver on this team Alec right. Pierce and not Michael Pittman? But he caught eight of his nine targets for 81 yards. I mean, this Colts offense is not one that I necessarily want to buy into either. It's it's uh even Jonathan Taylor has been struggling when he's healthy. So it's not the best offense, but I I also liked Pierce going into the season. I mean, he was a pretty solid rookie prospect and, and I I, I like what I've seen from him so far. So he gets to face the Jags Titans and commanders coming up. So I like that schedule as well. I like Pierce as well, especially you mentioned kind of buzz around him coming out of Cincinnati as a rookie, kind of the athletic and the size pieces. And you mentioned he out-targeted Michael Pittman. I would just want to see what this looks like when Jonathan Taylor returns, right? And, you know, we're not going to always see a ton of 12-9 overtime games either. Um, I actually thought we were going to get like some kind of scorigami from that, like something really weird. I, I thought a lot of things were going to happen, and then none of them did in that game on Thursday night. No one's Mike, touchdown bets. I love that. Not one uh, so anytime touchdown bet. <laughs> I saw that people also bet no touchdown scored in the game and were being offered cash out options. And I wonder, I say this to you all the time, Samantha, at what point do you be like, no, 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 I'm going to let this <laughs> ride out and have no touchdowns in the game, as opposed to accepting a cash out on something that had a huge, had huge options odds on it. I, I believe people had cash out options on that. That would have been tasty, at least in my opinion, but I digress. <laughs> Mike, what about you? Wide receivers that are on your yeah. radar? Remember, we've got buys coming up. Yep. And like we're saying, there are some teams that are now just proving to not be as dynamic as we may have thought entering the season. Well, I, it's a pretty sad list, but here's a game I'm not betting no touchdowns on. Cardinal Seahawks. We're killing the Seahawks <laughs> today. But so Rondell Moore, I think is a good w- one week only guy because as you mentioned, okay. New Hopkins is coming back in week seven, but this is week six and, and the Cardinals are, are getting to play against Seattle and Rondo Moore just had a big day. So if you're looking for someone to fill in for this week only, I also agree with Samantha on Jacoby Myers, another one who's just uh, above the threshold, 51%. Michael Gallup has become clearly the number two receiver in Dallas again, I think right now. He only had four catches, but that was 40% of all their catches uh, uh, since Cooper Rush only completed 10 passes. So he's becoming a part of that offense again. Alec Pierce, I want to like a lot. I love watching Alec Pierce play. And if the, speaking of that awful Thursday night game, the game-winning play was basically an Alec Pierce interception where he snatched it out of the defensive yes. back's hands. He's got big, strong hands. He's a big body, and he's got downfield speed. But I also wanted to love Michael Pittman. And if we can't trust Michael Pittman to do anything, how can we trust Alec Pierce? So I, you know, I talked to a friend who covers the Colts and it's just that offensive line uh, is a, is a problem and they don't see a lot of hope. I mean, we used to think that was one of the most reliable things in the league and it's just letting that team down and there doesn't seem to be a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. So I I don't know if that passing offense is ever going to get going. He'd be a guy I'd want to stash on the end of my bench. But that's probably better if, you know, if you're looking toward 2023 than, than this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Matt Ryan, we all know, is a statue back there. And if he can't sit and camp in the pocket, it's going to be a problem. We all thought that the Colts had one of the best offensive lines in the league, right? Maybe two, three years ago. And my, that has changed a little bit. Let's go over to the tight end position. I know we had the conversation around Taysom Hill. I believe Taysom Hill is on rosters in about a quarter to a third of leagues. That's certainly going to jump up this week. But but what are some other tight ends or who are some other tight ends, Samantha, that we are considering moving forward? It seems like the same names we talk about every week. Guys like Hurst, guys like Tunyon, guys like, oh, I don't know, Evan Ingram. Have any of them kind of emerged in your opinion? Sure. I mean, Hayden Hurst did have another nice day for fantasy. He did. Primetime loss slash revenge match against the Ravens yes. who drafted him in the 2018 uh, draft. He is the tight end three with one game left to play. I, I think his role could have been a little bit expanded with T Higgins clearly activated as a decoy and nothing more, but it is his second game in the row finding the end zone and third game this year worth at least seven targets. So I like him as a potential week six streamer for 
Hawkinson or Waller managers that need someone. I mean, they play the Saints this week, which isn't the best matchup or anything, but certainly um, he's a viable type streaming option. I mean, we know the landscape for tight end is kind of a hellscape. So it's it's uh, it's it's lean, like you said. Um, Evan Ingram also had a nice bounce back from a one catch week four outing. He uh, caught 10 targets for 69 yards, currently to tight end seven. He's definitely a high end tight end two viable streamer in deeper leagues with, you know, four teams done by. So those are the guys that I'm probably looking at. I mean, to your point, we like Robert Tunyon. Um, Zach Gentry would be one to keep an eye on because mm. of Friar Mutt's concussion situation. I have very little faith in now, like people coming back from concussions just because of how sensitive I think right. um, the league is, which to be clear, I think they should exercise more caution, but um, just, I mean, Friar Mutt obviously entered, exited that game pretty early and Gentry ended up catching five of six targets for 43 yards. So it's, it, it's, look, there wasn't much pretty about the Steelers offense in that game, but uh, you know, just, to, just a name to keep an eye on in case Friar Muth is a no-go, especially in like DFS formats. Cause I'm sure he's going to be dirt cheap. Yeah, fair enough. And one other name, and again, I'm not advocating for these grape offenses, but Cole Kmet is someone who going into the season, people thought was going to have a breakout. People thought we're going to lead the team in receptions or targets. And now he's at the place where he is only on one third of rosters out there. So keep an eye out on that. I believe there's going to be some kind of regression at some point. Again, I mean, honestly, the Bears looked wire. pretty good uh, for the Bears. This was probably <laughs> right. the be- their best offensive game of the year, I've got to say. So um, I-, I think like that was the-, the most accurate that Justin Fields has been all season. So, I mean, yeah. I-, I think that they have a center that's injured right now, has like some kind of thumb injury. So once he comes back, that'll help their offensive line. I- it can't go. It can't get worse for them is that's the thing. Fair. So they're they're kind of in that boat with the Panthers. So to your point about Komet, it's it's only up from here. Yeah, I would think so. Mike, any tight ends on your radar that are readily available? Yeah, I mean, Hurst is the one I like best of everyone uh, mentioned. He's actually tied tied for second uh, and catches on Cincinnati this year, which nobody would have seen coming, but obviously right. injuries had something to do with that. So especially if Higgins is still hurt, but even if it was just because Higgins was hurt, Joe Burrows learned to trust him in the red zone. That's the first thing I saw when I turned on the TV last night, but no, look, if Taysom Hill's available, don't yes. make the mistake. <laughs> Don't talk yourself into Gerald Everett or even Saints Adam Troutman or Saints Juwan Johnson because right. none of those guys are going to put up 55 or 35 points. Taysom Hill right. might get you a zero one of these days, but it's so much fun if you're if you're making a desperate play at tight end, at least pick the guy who might, you know, come in at quarterback and, and break free for a 60-yard touchdown run. It's more fun to play fantasy that way. Now, listen, I don't disagree with you. You know, my strategy has always been try to accumulate as many people as possible who can win you a week. And we are talking about tight ends and how, you know, it's kind of a wasteland after the names we all know and they're TD dependent and stuff like that. Taysom Hill is a guy who can get multiple touchdowns, win you a week, even throw for some passing yards, rushing yards. You know, they'll be involved in catching a touchdown. He will catch a touchdown sometime too. I promise he is a tight end. Yeah, you may also get times where it depends on check your settings where you can get a point for like a blocked kick or something like that when it comes to days. Re- hey, he's returning that. kickoffs for them now. They're I know, that's what I'm hurt, saying. And he's returning kickoffs. Too. No shortage of ways for them to use Taysom Hill. I think that is the lesson from this episode. And of course, shout out to our producer, David, who always knows the exact right times to put Taysom Hill in. I want to let everybody know also, if you have a question for Samantha, hit her up on the mailbag okay at um mailbag at actionnetwork.com you could ask her questions she'll give you some answers and we'll pick some to use on the show here on the fantasy flex on a monday pod that'll do it for this episode here going from week five to week six we hope you are in playoff contention and if not we hope you use some of these insights to get the right guys on the waiver wire and boost your standing for samantha praviti and our new contributor mike triplett who we thank and appreciate having on with the show. I'm Dane Martinez here. This is the Fantasy Flex Pod for the Action Network. Make sure you subscribe unless you're like allergic to doing well in your leagues. We will be back next week here on the Fantasy Flex. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. 